This is Chris Smith, author of The Conversion Code. Capture internet leads, create quality appointments, close more sales. And you're listening to The Marketing Book Podcast. Welcome to The Marketing Book Podcast, helping you keep up with the smartest thinking in the quickly changing field of modern marketing. And now, here's your host, Douglas Burdett. Hello, thanks for joining me on the Marketing Book Podcast, named by LinkedIn as one of 10 podcasts that will make you a better marketer in 2016. My goal for this podcast is to help you discover new ideas about what's working in modern marketing. Don't worry about taking notes. You can find links to everything discussed in the show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. Today, we're joined by Chris Smith, and we're going to talk about his new book, The Conversion Code. Capture internet leads, create quality appointments, close more sales. Chris Smith is the co-founder of Curator, a social media digital marketing and sales coaching company that helps businesses grow faster. The company is spelled C-U-R-A-Y-T-O-R. In less than three years, he used the blueprint from the book we're about to discuss, The Conversion Code, to grow Curator to over $5 million in annual recurring revenue. He's also the co-host of The Water Cooler, a weekly podcast focusing on business, marketing, technology, and real estate. Prior to Curator, Chris worked for two billionaires, a near-billion-dollar publicly traded company, and a startup that was acquired for $108 million. He speaks live in front of more than 50,000 people a year, and he was once a Hollywood extra on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, The Drew Carey Show, and others. Chris, congratulations on the conversion code and welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast. Thanks, Douglas. Proud to be on. I'm a big fan of the show. Excited to talk. Oh, thanks. Great. Well, I do have a lot of great authors. Now, you mentioned in your book that you are a podcast addict. And uh, I just want you to know that I am too, particularly marketing podcasts. So I, I want you to think of this as sort of a, a support group if, if, if necessary, because a lot <laughs> sure. of the listeners are, 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 are uh, marketing uh, or, or at least podcast addicts as well. So this is your, this is a safe space. Okay. I appreciate that. Okay, good. So um, now I, I, one thing about the title of the book, The Conversion Code, we've just got to get out of the way. I was once on a social media panel and, uh, the, you know, lot, wide ranging discussion. And at one point I was talking about you know, getting conversions on your website. And then afterwards, this guy came up to me and said, you know, you had me until you started talking about religion, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and he thought I was talking about like a religious conversion mm-hmm. on the website. So we're, we're talking about like capturing permission to market to folks, uh, to email to them. Uh, and I want you to clarify that because at one point in the book, you did talk about prayer. Sure. Yeah. In a funny way, it's internet lead conversion. I think if people saw the book, they would certainly understand that it's got kind of the Facebook and Google and Twitter and Instagram and hashtags. And there's a dollar bill coming out the bottom of the funnel, not across. Well, that, that could be that, about religion too, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They're the, you know, some of the best salespeople in the world are certainly running religious organizations. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that the, the idea was that when I looked at the topic and, and certainly uh, that word comes up when people talk about converting from a, from a religion. There is so much out there, Douglas, on lead generation. And it feels like that people have forgot that the fortune is in the follow-up. People have forgotten that you make your money by converting leads, not getting leads. And so while a lot of internet marketers and people like yourself 
you know, properly would think of getting a lead through your site, through a landing page, through a form as a conversion, you know, those conversions don't feed your kids. What feeds your kids is credit card numbers right. and, and sales. And so coming from a, 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 my background is first and foremost, inside sales, calling to close internet leads. You know, for me, that is the true conversion. And, and so I wanted to kind of marry the ideas of converting leads, converting leads into appointments and converting appointments into sales. And religion is not a part of any of those things. Right. <laughs> but you do feel strongly about it. Yeah, I do, I do feel strongly that businesses are leaving money on the table because they're not properly generating or converting business from this little thing that happens to be called the internet. Amen. Now, let's go back, though, and talk a little bit more about your background because you have got a big league sales background. And, and I think it's important for the listener to understand that you have your, your, your face is probably still dirty from all the time you spent in the trenches. Can you talk about the fact that you really paid your dues in the sales world? Well, if you picture boiler room and then you picture Alec Baldwin coming in and making a speech, that's the environment I was in at several companies. And it is intense, man. It is a hundred dials a day to have five conversations, to get three people to fill out a form, to get two of them to become a customer. And it's big stakes and it's very competitive. Hundreds of inside salespeople in these cubicles with every dial being measured, every talk time being measured, every credit pull, all these different things. So yeah, I ended up working at a, at a company where they sold event vacations. The guy that started, his name was Lou Perlman. He actually discovered NSYNC, Backstreet, Britney Spears, and he's in jail. So that's a long story. And, and what he did is before American Idol, he did events in Orlando. He said, hey, come on down. If you want to be famous, we'll put you in front of the people from the industry that you can't get in front of. And you'll stay at this resort and everything's inclusive. And it was a one-call close. It was build them up to where they are more excited than the cost and then ask them for their payment. Mm -hmm. It was it was very, very structured. And, and my coach there, he was just, just this really amazing guy. And he basically would say things like, you know, you're going to learn more than you earn while you work here. And I never forgot that because he would he would teach us sales. And I think the biggest mistake for most people is not one of their own. It's just that there's no sales school. Mm -hmm. Unless you happen to work at a Lou Pearlman organization, to work at a Dan Gilbert, Quicken Loans, you know, kind of an inside sales, a, a Move Inc., Realtor.com, inside sales. Once you've seen that boiler room, you realize, wow, that's how these companies make all their money. They got people on the phone calling and closing business for them. It isn't just all the marketing at the Super Bowl. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. And this uh, fantasy that's uh, pervasive about, uh, you know, you don't have to call anymore. It's all just going to come to you. Yeah, you could do inbound marketing, but it's very hard to close somebody without picking up the damn phone. Yeah, I think there's a, a yearning on the part of a lot of businesses to think that that's going to take care of it. That works mm -hmm. enormously well. And you talk about that in your book. But that's, <laughs> that's sort of like hiking the ball. Yeah, you need at-bats. That's the key. In the internet, you just need more at-bats. So if you have 10 people in person, you can close five or six. Mm -hmm. You might need 100 people through the internet to close one or two. But the sooner you get over that and, and start doing the math on what one or two does to your business, we help real estate agents. One or two sales for them is a lot of money. 
And if you can generate one or two appointments a day through calling 50 to 70 people a day, by the way, these are internet leads. This ain't the yellow pages. Yeah. This isn't cold calling. These are people that filled out a form either through a landing page or on your website and said, I'm interested in more information. And, and so in that world, it's still not a layup, right? The numbers are still a little tricky, but we're everybody listening right now, Douglas, I swear, can double their true conversion. Most companies are converting at one to two percent. And it's because of all the mistakes I point out in the book. To get your company to three, four, five percent, meaning for every 100 leads, you're getting five sales. That would be a game changer for almost anybody listening. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let me let me just quote one thing from the book, and then we're gonna get into a couple very interesting topics. The conversion code is a new blueprint for marketers and salespeople that shows you how to capture and convert internet leads into closed sales at the highest rate possible. Using my exact code outlined in this book, you will immediately get more website traffic and more internet leads, but most importantly, close more sales. So in the book, at the beginning, you talk about how being good at traditional marketing and face-to-face -face sales does not make you good at internet marketing and inside sales. Can you explain that? Sure. I'll give a real example from my background. I don't know if you've ever worked with a mortgage broker before. Oh, when I got a mortgage. Okay. A local company or was it? Uh, a it was a local. Yeah, it was local. Okay. So that guy on a good month would do 10 to 15 deals. Because of the belly-to-belly -belly nature of the work that was happening. Meanwhile, my first week at Quicken Loans, I, I wrote probably 15 to 20 loans. I wrote 42 loans in my first 30 days on the phones. And so when you have that kind of flood of leads coming in, it's, a, it, it's an unfair competitive advantage. It really is. But then it brings new challenges. And that's the point is that like, if you're on the phone, you don't have physiology, which is the number one way that people communicate. 55% of the way that people communicate is looking at each other. We're not looking at each other right now, Douglas, but I'm actually looking at your picture on the Skype profile, because to me, that's an important part of communicating. Well, when you're calling internet leads, that's gone, right? Mm -hmm. So there's, there's been a paradigm shift where traditional marketing is no longer where the leads are being generated. It's being generated online. And then the follow-up with the leads is no longer outside sales or belly-to-belly. -belly. It's rapidly inside sales, first contact through email, text, or phone. And so you need a new script. You need a new coach. If you've never sat in that bullpen and called all those leads, you can't really give people advice on, on selling to people in this era, in my opinion. It is a very difficult life to dial for dollars. And most of the people giving advice on sales have never done it. So I understand that a lot of the principles from traditional sales still apply, but it's a new world. It really is. And I think there's sort of a hangover from that. And I'm also seeing a lot of companies, at least trying to pitch me or, or companies I see where a lead is generated, perhaps inbound lead, and a lot of the sales folks are treating them like they just entered the funnel or they were just starting. These were they're they're having difficulty dealing with much more informed prospects. I mean, here's my opinion on this: the bottom of the funnel is when they give you their info, right? I mean, they can get so much without doing that. Mm -hmm. 
That is the zero moment of truth, as Google likes to call it. When they reach through the screen and say, here's my email, you know, people that say they're at the top of the funnel when they just subscribed are the people that don't know how to call people and sell. I mean, I know I personally would look on Zillow for a year until I was ready, and then I would fill out the little widget. Mm -hmm. to get right wouldn't you i mean that so if people think that you're at the top of the funnel when you now listen there's a difference between a lead and a and a newsletter subscriber let's yeah. be honest mm -hmm. but when you get a lead that says i want more information about your pool your real estate services your inbound marketing company that is a lead that should be, there should be buzzers going off because obviously in the book, you see the things about speed to response, yeah. the number of attempts it takes. So yeah, I think that marketers want you to believe that those leads are not quite ready because then there's less pressure on them. Salespeople want you to believe that marketers aren't getting them good leads. And that's why I wrote this book. I, I really have not seen a lot of books where they tackle the marketing the scheduling of that lead and what to say to it on the phone. Most books are marketing or sales. Right, right. And I that's why I, I really liked it is because it's it's really timely. It's really it's like it's it's one of those books that needed to be written now. Cause I there's there's lots of great books about, like you said, the the traditional sales, you know, how to cold call. Mm. <laughs> and I just think it's antiquated now. But let's go back to the to the first part of the book uh, where you talk about generating leads. And you, you mentioned that what I thought was apostasy. You said content is not king mm -hmm. if your goal is capturing and converting leads. What, what the heck are you talking about, Chris? Sure. And Douglas, I also very, I feel like a politician now, but I do go into the next chapter and talk a ton about creating content. So oh, that's, uh, yeah, to, like the first third <laughs> of the book. Fair. Yeah. Well, yeah. we're going to talk about the blog. Yeah. Well, let me, let me explain what I mean. It's a, it's a very fair question. And, and this comes from somebody that has written more blog posts and done more videos and recorded more podcasts than most of the people that'll hear this. Mm -hmm. We have 6 million minutes watched on YouTube. I mean, we are big fans of content creation, but the reality is that when I was at Quicken Loans and when I was at Lou Perlman's company and when I was at Top Producer, we weren't creating content to get those leads, were we? We were doing direct response marketing. Right. And, and so content creation is a, uh, a part of the funnel if you need it to be. But like I say in the book, if you don't have anyone to call, you would be pretty crazy to write a blog post, Douglas. I'm sorry. You need leads if you're a business, if you're a salesperson. So the first thing you have to do with your funnel is set it up to where there's actually people to call so that you stay in business. Now, you can make your funnel better in chapter two by adding content, video, podcasts, and all the things we love to do. But the reality is that most people are skipping step one. Mm -hmm. They are blogging themselves out of business. They are not making money from Twitter. Right. Right. So those things are so much more exciting when you've got a, a direct response campaign in place that sends you names, phone numbers and emails of leads each day and each week. Once you've got the house in order, then you can do some of the more extravagant things. Right. Right. Um, now, and you, you mentioned that in the real world, the websites that get the most traffic and leads are the ones that, that emphasize blogging. Um, what advice do you offer to companies that are absolutely certain that they don't want to blog? That they're going to be just okay as long as they build a beautiful website that has sort of this great pillar content. They publish great lead magnets using landing pages and they advertise those in a relevant and creative way on Facebook. They'll be fine. 
I, I really think they will. They won't do as good as they could. But I'm not going to be the guy in your podcast that says companies are going to go out of business if they don't blog. Right. And I you, think, yeah. You also, I mean, you also talk about how if they're not going to blog, they might just want to hire somebody to do that for them. Well, this has become a big trend. I know Mark Roberge from HubSpot was one of your great guests. And I've, I I really study Brian and Darmesh and the advice those guys give. Inbound marketing is one of my favorite books. And the reality is that as your company scales like us, I wish I was writing everything I'm not. The reason we do the show is because it's something we can do and love and do in real time. And then it creates a, a bunch of content. But we have we have two writers on staff. And so, yes, if you're a business that can afford content marketing, those dollars a lot of times are better spent than they would be spent on another ad or another pay-per-click. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we've got to talk about Facebook. Uh, you mentioned that Facebook is being greatly underutilized as a purposeful, consistent, and quality lead generation source. Why is that, and, and, and what should marketers be doing? Great question. The, the The reality is that you hear the top line numbers. You hear about the more than billion active users. What you don't, and then you hear maybe twenty five million or so businesses. What you don't hear about is that bottom line number, which is that there's only about two and a half to three million people advertising on on Facebook. And so you've got this really big supply of eyeballs. And and you you don't have this really big supply of ads, right? You're maybe one ad for every five or ten or seventeen things in your newsfeed. So Facebook is the only place that I know of that any business could come to me and say, Chris, let's build a landing page, let's make it look beautiful and apply design principles, let's build a creative ad on Facebook and target it and let's launch it. And we will get leads today, my friend. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is not so easy for most people to go to Google and do a pay-per-click campaign that gets a lead today. It is not that easy for most people to do a video that gets leads today or for them to maybe do something like uh, a podcast like this. So the fact that Facebook, the reason it's a game changer is because everybody listening already knows how to use it. Mm -hmm. they're and just, they're there. And they just need to hit two more buttons. They need to hit uh, they need to use their page and hit boost, you know, right. and, 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 and put their credit card number in. And so the, the, the way that we grow our database and our customers databases by hundreds and thousands a month is through Facebook advertising. It isn't that we don't do all the other things that it takes to run a great business. Mm -hmm. It's just that we have made that a priority and we are getting a low cost per click, low cost per lead. And again, the reality is the, the key is the barrier to entry. If you can go on vacation, come back, upload an album, name it and hit post, you can run an ad on Facebook. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, it's. I think a lot of people don't appreciate just how targeted you can get. Well, I go really deep into the targeting in the book. I go really deep into what needs to be in the ads in the book. But the key is, again, back to what we talked about before the call, belief. If people don't believe Facebook's going to get them business, they're not going to win. But almost anybody can go to lead pages, go to Insta pages, go to Unbounce, create an offer page. Go to your page, boost it, target people you know, target people that are in your vertical and in your niche, and you will get leads today. The key to Facebook is they've got scale. We mm -hmm. can get leads for people by zip code, Douglas. Oh, so if yeah. you're a national business, you better be able to get some leads. <laughs> well, let's talk about why the conversion code relies more on Facebook than Google as it, re as it relates to uh, demand generation versus demand fulfillment. 
Absolutely. I think that's a big aha in the book. I hope people have, which is that when people go to Google and search, you should have ads there if you can. I mean, it is just the best timing, right? Kind of back to that zero moment of truth. The guy just searched swimming pools and your swimming pool company comes up. I am not arguing that that is not a great strategy, but what I am arguing is that that is fulfilling the demand that the consumer showed. And the difference is on Facebook, as an example for our real estate customers, people don't wake up and go to Facebook and say, I'm going to register to enter a funnel of a realtor. Uh, oh, I'm going to wake up this morning, grab my coffee, check out what my friends are up to and register to look at a listing or register to get my home's value. Nobody does that. And what happens is when you generate the demand, meaning they maybe weren't thinking about what you're doing before they saw what you do, but you planted the seed in the first place. If you have systems and processes that follow up, email nurture, phone call follow up, great content to send them if they're a longer term purchaser. When you generate the demand in the first place, you are competing with way less people. Let Mm -hmm. me give you one real life example. When I worked at Quicken Loans, we got leads from LendingTree. LendingTree is fulfilling the demand of somebody that wants five companies to compete for their loan. Now, compare that to a lead from QuickenLoans.com, right? A QuickenLoans.com lead is just our lead. They don't have Wells Fargo calling them and Bank of America calling them as well. And so that's sort of the idea is that the, the the leads that you can get through social and through your site are a lot of times going to be leads that are not swimming among sharks already. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, one thing to add, though, that for the benefit of the listener, is that there's some things you said Facebook cannot do, and they, they cannot make a bad business good. Uh, they can't close a lead. They It's like putting the ball up on the tee. It's, it's up to the batter to hit the ball. Mark Zuckerberg is not going to close that lead for you. Exactly. That's why section three is so critical. You have to pick up the phone and know what to say and say it the right way at the right time. But if your product sucks, if your processes suck, if your service sucks, the, any everything in the book doesn't help. We have, There's a real estate agent named Linda Davis, and uh, she's a pretty well-known blogger. And she just one time at a bar camp, she basically said, if you have a bad business, a blog isn't going to help. <laughs> well said. Well said. Now, let me go to, to another part. Now, as you said, there's, there's, it's real specific instructions here that I just loved. I, I marked my copy of the book up like crazy just for my own business. Um, but when you hear a term like big data or social selling, you said you usually tune it out or puke in your mouth a little. Why is that? <laughs> well, you know what? I mean, I'm going to be honest. When I was in the cubicle, and I was making those 100 dials a day for three years. I didn't care about any buzzwords. I didn't care about social selling. I didn't care about big data. Yeah. I cared about hitting my quota and getting a big-ass check. Mm-hmm. That is what I cared about in that cubicle that I came from. And so I just know that when you go to a sales training or, or you get that kind of hour out of your week where you do coaching instead of dialing, There's no time for buzzwords. You have to coach me on things that'll help me on my next call. You have to help me get better today. And so, yeah, the mindset stuff is good and this and that. But the reality is that uh, in that cubicle environment, let me tell you, buzzwords don't matter. 
The only thing you want to hear is how to close people better and how to make more money. So, but here's the key. I am a marketer now, you know, flash forward a decade later, I love mm -hmm. marketing too. And so when we started our call and when you mentioned that I like house of cards and coffee and all those things, I can't argue as a salesperson that it doesn't make me close people better to know more about them. That is inarguable to me as well. So I'm just trying to marry this idea that, okay, you've got the social media data. You've got these really cool apps like Charlie that'll basically tell you a little bit about the lead. Okay, great. I don't care. How can I apply that to making more money on the phone? And, and thankfully I can because mm -hmm. the more specificity I have entering a sales call, the better that sales call is going to go. And so I don't think of it as big data. I think of it as ammunition. I think of it as a bullet that is customized versus a big grenade that you're just tossing. Yeah. You said if you are in sales, social media should make you salivate. You also mentioned that cold calling is so 1980s. What do you, what do you mean by that? Well, the reality is that even if you were, as an example, Douglas, to use the, the phone book or use the white pages or just buy a list or, or something sort of semi-unethical, as opposed to generating the lead <laughs> the right effective. way. <laughs> yeah. If, if you were to do that, you would still, through all these little tools, probably be able to learn about the people before you called them. You could run their phone number through people, you know, dot com. You could uh, plug their... Uh, address into Zillow and mm -hmm. see the last time it was sold. I mean, there is so much data out there about people that the reality is that even if you are cold calling, they should start to become lukewarm. The, the good news is when you're generating the lead, you're actually already warm calling. And then these little data points take you from good to excellent. That's why, as you said earlier, I can't help a bad business become good. The, the tools haven't come out for that yet, but I can really help. A <laughs> but good you're working on it, right? Become excellent because they're just not doing a lot of these hacks. Yeah. Yeah. In the book, you've got, as I said, real specific information about what to say when you get a lead on the phone and, and, and all those types of things. And you said, if you can't close, it's probably because you can't dig deep. What, what mm. do you mean by that? Man, I just love hearing that back, my friend. <laughs> I mean, here's what it is. And this is something that it was uh, called an ism at, at Quicken Loans. They had this kind of list of uh, quips that were just meant to stick with you. And a lot of them did. And one of them was dig deep or go to sleep. Yes, that's right. You're and what, in the book. Yeah. And what that means is that if you're not willing to genuinely go deep on the questions you ask and then the ones that you could only ask after the first answer you're not going to be able to close people at the end. And and a digging deep would be something along the lines of, you know, hey, Douglas, uh, you know, uh, what did you do before you got into podcasting? Mm -hmm. Oh, well, uh, I was still in the agency business. Oh, you're in the agency business. That's awesome. Were you in New York or were you, were you in L.A. or where, where were you? Uh, I was in New York on uh, Madison Avenue. Oh, awesome. I used to live in Brooklyn. Have you ever been to an area called Bensonhurst? Probably not. Uh, no. Okay. Unless it, the subway went by there. Yeah, probably yeah. not. Yeah, well, it was the D train. What was the one you took the most? Oh, the one down to Coney Island to go sailing. <laughs> exactly. You came there during the hot dog contest, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so that is digging deep. That is one question, which is, what did you do before this? 
but then your answers are interesting and I'm listening. And so I could never ask question two, three, five about the D train unless I listen and go deeper. Mm -hmm. So what salespeople need to do is they need to script five or seven emotional and logical questions about the purchase. But what you can't script is where the money is made. And most people just ask the questions on the sheet. I was once coaching this girl and, and, and the person on the phone said, we need $50,000 for a home equity line of credit. And she said, oh, what are you going to do with it? And they said, well, you know, that was her digging deep, Douglas. Uh -huh, right? What are you right. going to do with it? And, and they said, well, uh, we're actually going to build a deck. She's like, okay, great. What's your current interest rate? She just kept moving. Like, <laughs> $50,000 for a deck? <laughs> that is what, if you're a great salesperson, you're going to jump on that and be like, wow, that's more than my house. Yeah. What are you guys going to do with the money? Are you going to have an elevator in the deck? Are you going to use platinum wood? Talk to me about this deck. <laughs> the and barbecue is going to cook the food and serve and, it. And, and so digging deep is two things. It's building up a list of the emotional reasons they're really buying, which you can't do if you don't dig deep. Right. And one of the other things that's uh, of great interest uh, and fascination to me in sales is, is getting at the pain, like, you know, peeling back what, what gets these people really involved. And there was one line in the book on page 132 where you said, adding fear makes the sale about healing, not helping, which for many is the buying button that needs to be pressed the hardest. Man, I love that. And it is so true. Think about it like this, Douglas. If I called you and said, hey, you're crushing it with your podcast. Your company's doing well. You've got your brand next to all these famous authors. But your website could be 10 times better. You don't have this widget. You don't have this widget. You don't have this feature. On You don't have a mobile app. You don't have this. You don't have that, right? You People tend to talk about the bells and whistles missing from your life. Mm-hmm. And what can be more effective is, and, and this is just an example, please don't take this. We're just role-playing a little bit, right? But like- Like a good sales trainer. Exactly. The, the pain point, Douglas, would be, you know, I'm not sure if I could sleep tonight if I had the website that you have, sir. Right. And so I want to show you ours. Mm -hmm. and, and that is a big difference. Think about, as an example, when somebody wanted to refinance their loan. Did they want to save $300? Did they want to, uh, you know- get a lower rate or did they feel bad they weren't putting money in their kids college fund mm. yeah and i just as a you know uh, as a consumer i'm very motivated by not wasting money almost <laughs> almost more than you know other things sure it, it's interesting so it's uh, there everybody has a different sort of motivation there so chris if readers took only one thing away from the book what would you hope it would be if they could just take away one thing, it would just be that there is a science to sales. The same way there is a science to marketing. You can talk about marketing for three straight days and not run out of acronyms. Mm -hmm. you, you can get every piece of data from every campaign, from all these amazing softwares, and you could really look at it till you were blue in the face. And I think that people in the last five to 10 years have spent infinitely more time geeking out about technology mm -hmm. than they have sharpening their acts and their sales skills. And because the marketing stuff changed so much, the sales script needs to change as much. You should be practicing. Think about if you only practice offense. 
and you never practice defense. That's what most companies are doing. So what I want people to understand is that the same way you can very uh, much in a calculated and meticulous way run, launch, and, and analyze a marketing campaign, you can take that same scalpel to your sales process, to what you say on the phone, when you say it, why you say it, how you say it, how often you say it, what you say when they say this. I want people to become as excited about sales as they are about marketing. I hope that's what they take away. Well said. And if I could, I just want to add one paragraph from the forward that made me stand up and cheer. And I was sitting down while I was reading this. With that being said, I truly believe marketing automation is greatly overrated and is being used too frequently as a crutch. Technology and software have become an excuse not to do the real work of picking up the phone and talking to people about what you sell and whether it is right for them. If you want to make more money by closing online leads, you have to pick up the damn phone. If you have more usernames and passwords than customers, you are doing it wrong. Mm, I love it. You know, and that's true. I mean, that's the reality is that we could look at these pixels all day long, but you're going to make more money talking to people. Yes. And, and, and the, the one refrain throughout the book that we should, we should mention uh, here is about, about conversations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that conversations create customers. And, and when you look for metrics in sales, you know, the, the main metric is how many sales, but I can tell you that the, the number of meaningful conversations you have each day will directly relate to the number of sales you have. And so really technology is just an enabler of having more conversations with people. Mm -hmm. But don't forget that part. You know, it's like the notion of uh, the better your online is, the, the better and faster your offline is. Well, it better be, right? Everybody's putting this huge persona online that they're crushing it and that they're the best this, that, and the other. And then you get in their funnel and it's and it's sort of underwhelming. Go register to be a lead at Curator. You will be blown away at the processes, the automated text message you get, the fact that Sarah's calling you within 30 seconds. We eat our own dog food and it's why we've grown. It's why our customers grow. And hopefully people that read the book can grow too. Yeah. What books have inspired your work and career? That's a great question. I actually love books. I, I don't read a million books, so it's actually very easy for me to answer these questions because normally after the first chapter, I realize it's all theory. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I also realize that mo I, I just want to add this caveat. My favorite books are written by people that run businesses, yeah. not people that commentate on businesses. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. And so that leaves me only a few authors left, Douglas. <laughs> and so my two favorite kind of books, I, I would say, uh, when I when I first started really getting into what I'm doing now was a combination of Rework by Jason Fried, uh -huh. who started 37 Signals, Basecamp, technology that we still use, and also Crush It, which was from Gary V, which showed me that uh, if a local wine business can have upside from some of the things that I had been doing intuitively, it made me feel really great about my action. So those two books ha had a big influence. Um, and I have one other to recommend, but I think you were, you may have a, one other question about it. Yeah, I was just going to say, are there any recent or upcoming books that you recommend or are looking forward to reading? Absolutely. I, I think this is one that I would, I, I'm going to hope you've never had this recommended, Douglas. I hope it's new to you and your audience. It is just a great book. It's called The Method Method. 
And if you're not familiar with Method, it's a company that makes soap. So imagine trying to disrupt the soap business. Imagine trying to disrupt uh, Johnson and Johnson, Procter and Gamble, these, these, you know, Unilever, right? These yeah. companies that are literally have every space on the shelf. So the guys that started Method uh, actually wrote a book about the Method method, and it was the seven ways that they were able to disrupt an old staunchy industry. And I have to say that three, four of those lessons in that book drove straight to my heart about design, about mm. culture, about sales, <laughs> like these sort of fundamentals that help method the soap company crush it. It's a beautiful book. It's a great read. A, a backup to that would be Hatching Twitter, which is a behind the scenes true story of Twitter's formation. And, and thus now they're having some challenges. But Nick Bilton from the New York Times uh, wrote a great book called Hatching Twitter. Those are my two favorite books recently. Oh, that sounds fantastic. And neither has been recommended. And I really want to get into the method method. What We mentioned Madison Avenue. My very first job in mm -hmm. New York City working at the J. Walter Thompson ad agency was on the Lever 2000 deodorant soap account. Oh, <laughs> uh, you're going to love this book. I mean, there's some really funny stories about them dropping off cases at Ralph's and through their innovative design having a leak. Now, you can imagine what happens when hundreds of hand soaps and dish detergents leak. Uh, let's just say they had to come back and clean it up. The oh. store manager didn't do it. So it's a beautiful story. These guys really care. I mean, at the heart of their product is they care about the fact that there's a bunch of crap being used in our stuff. Yeah. You know? yeah. And you can't fake that stuff either. No, it's a passion. And their community is just a, they have built a community of like-minded people. It's a great story. The Method Method. Mm. Chris, how best can listeners learn more about you uh, and your book? Sure. Thanks for asking. They can go to theconversioncode.com. I think we've established at this point, I will not try to change your religion. It is the <laughs> <laughs> it is theconversioncode.com. You can buy the book there. You can connect with me there on social. But also, I, I would ask people to go to curator.com. We have a podcast, a web show, an email newsletter, uh, my co-founder, Jimmy, and I have really built a special company, and we try to share everything that we're going through as we build it. And uh, I mentioned earlier, our YouTube channel is very popular. So curator.com, theconversioncode.com. I'd love to meet a lot of your listeners. Yeah, and I'll make sure to put, uh, we'll include links to those and your your Twitter profiles. And uh, we've got a, a video a trailer for the book and uh, anything else we can we can find, we're going to put on the show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. So the name of the book is The Conversion Code, Capture Internet Leads, Create Quality Appointments, Close More Sales. The author is Chris Smith. Chris, thank you very much for being on the Marketing Book Podcast. Thanks for having me. And that closes the book on the 61st episode of the Marketing Book Podcast. But please don't let the end of this episode be the end of what you can learn about modern marketing. Visit marketingbookpodcast.com for show notes, free resources, and marketing guides. And while there, be sure to join the Marketing Book Podcast newsletter so you never miss an episode. And if you love the show, please do me a favor. Open up a browser on your phone or computer and type in love.marketingbookpodcast.com. That's love.marketingbookpodcast.com. That will generate a pre-formatted love tweet with a link to the show that you can share with your world on Twitter. 
And you'll get a personal thank you from me for spreading the love. And please join us next time as we talk with the one and only Joe Calloway about his book, Magnetic, The Art of Attracting Business. Thanks again for listening to the Marketing Book Podcast.